Hey everybody, thanks for listening and welcome. Lori and I are trying something new to try and make compliance a little bit more palatable. This is an educational podcast of sorts that will help you, hopefully, better understand your compliance obligations. We hope you'll enjoy these additional materials, and as always, if you're one of our ongoing comprehensive clients, don't hesitate to reach out with your questions because at Advisor Compliance Services, we love to talk compliance. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another installment of Scott and Lori's extremely exciting compliance podcast. And today we're here to talk about a new topic, something that's upcoming. Uh, We have been working on compliance manual updates that we're going to be putting out. And you, in fact, should be listening to this along with the compliance manual that you receive. Now, on a basic level, we try to update the manuals as they, you know, as it becomes necessary without constantly going through updates. So we kind of aggregate changes. You'll see here, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about it, that we're updating in your manuals. So there, there've been a number of regulatory changes that have gone through recently. And so that's been the basis for this. Lori and I are going to walk you through each of those changes uh, contained in the new updated compliance manual. And of course, important to note up front. With the updated version that you're getting, you're going to need to review those changes in your manual with consideration for what you're hearing here. And if you have questions or comments or concerns, please go ahead and address them to us. Send us an email, pick up the phone, give us a call. You know, of course, you're you're paying for this service. Please utilize it. And then, you know, once you've had the opportunity to review it, go ahead and respond to us via email that you have reviewed it and that you approve the changes in the manual. And once we hear from you, we'll be able to finalize the manual and get it going for you all. There is, uh, you'll note when we talk about it, there's going to be a customizable portion for each and every person in the advertising section. You know, Lori will hit that in a few seconds. Uh, But of course, if we don't hear back from you, that means your updated manual isn't yet in effect, quote unquote. And that means that all these new procedures that we're introducing aren't going to be part of your compliance manual. So if you get examined in the meantime, that's going to lead to a deficiency. So without further ado, though, Lori, I'm going to let you take away some of the important stuff, please. Yeah. Well, thanks, Scott. Um, Yeah. Hey, and I also wanted to add that some of these changes come from not only regulatory changes, but sometimes it's it's because of compliance reading material we may be picking up. And some of it is from our own personal experience with exams. So we're trying to learn from others that have gone before you. And so some of these changes may reflect those that uh, have come from deficiencies in prior exams. Anyway, as Scott said, there are changes that have been made. And so without further ado, let's go into the substantive changes. So what I believe would be the most helpful is as you listen to us, have the manual in front of you and look through and just go through this as we as we talk through this on the podcast for you. And then you can make your questions accordingly. And as Scott mentioned, you know, give us an email so we can answer that because we can't finalize this until this manual reflects your way of doing business. I can't emphasize that enough. Make sure the policies and procedures read the way in which you conduct your business because that's a big deal. So, you know, one of the, the first off, the scope of the manual, you'll see changed. Uh, we took out solicitation. If you were a firm that didn't use utilize solicitors, there was a part in the beginning that mentioned what the manual didn't cover. For example, proprietary accounts or wrap fee accounts. 
if that was applicable, but mostly um, solicitation. And the reason why we did that is because solicitation now is now covered under the marketing rule. And so there are po policies and procedures that may be affected um, under the marketing rule. So we took that out. Not a big deal. The next change that you'll see is to the ERISA section. And you'll see that that uh, new language is surrounding this PTE 2020-02. So we added policies and procedures to comply with this new exemption as the exemption calls for. So if you're not familiar with the inner workings of this, we did a podcast on it. Uh, let us know if you didn't get that or you need that resent. You can listen to that and get the ins and outs of the exemption. But the gist of the new policies and procedures are capturing the requirements that you disclose that you're a fiduciary when servicing ERISA accounts, which, by the way, we would have put into your Part 2A of your ADV. So that's that written acknowledgement of your fiduciary status. It also contains policies and procedures for the impartial conduct standards. That's been in there. And so those were the ones that surround best execution, uh, making no more than reasonable amount of compensation in connection to servicing an ERISA covered account, and make no misleading statements. So that's those impartial conduct standards that's been in your policies and procedures. What you will see, though, is more robust policies and procedures surrounding rollover recommendations. That is fairly new. That follows the FAQs that were produced in conjunction with the DOL's exemption. And look at those. Make sure that you understand those. We provided a DOL rollover recommendation worksheet. I will say we modified this a bit recently. If you haven't gotten one, we will probably send that out as a additional document to this new compliance manual mm -hmm. just just to make sure everybody has all the information documented that's being called for by the DOL. Mm -hmm. So look for that. We believe that we've made that a little bit more robust. And this is something that you'll notice in the policies and procedures that needs to be delivered to your client. So again, why we are, are kind of making this a little bit more robust in satisfaction of the uh, exemption. Moving on, registration and filings. Now you're going to see a section on IAR continuing education. So some of you are in states that require now continuing education requirements to maintain your IAR licensing. Not everybody. It's coming to a state if, if you are not currently in one. It's in about probably six or so states for this year. And again, it'll be coming to, right. to you shortly by the time I, you guys hear this podcast it'll likely be in 20 states so yeah maybe. <laughs> at, the, at the speed yeah. it's moving yeah 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 <laughs> never uh underestimate the regulators thought of more regulation is good regulation so keeping that in mind anyway that's uh that's in there now uh we made a minor change to the pst reporting section this just clarifies that folks need to be reporting any securities in which they have a direct or indirect benefit and that a spouse's holdings constitute an indirect benefit. So make sure that the reporting is capturing the spouse's holdings as well. Hey, everybody. Sorry to cut in. There's another change that came up 
after the recording of this. And I just wanted to make sure that you all heard about that change here too. Of course, it's going to be in the manual that you're looking at here, but I just wanted to make sure that you heard about it as well so it didn't catch you completely by surprise. So there's a change to the client account section. That's roughly where you should be at in your review if you're kind of following along with this. The change relates to guidance put out by the SEC about advice to clients that those clients establish new accounts managed by the firm. The SEC wants now advisors to capture the rationale behind the recommendation, specifically why that recommendation to establish that account is in the client's best interest. You're probably doing this already, but they've been more explicit about it. I know this also feels adjacent sort of to the PT 2020-02 stuff that we've already talked about, which is why I'm going to tell you here that you're welcome to use or modify that rollover form that we've included for you uh, as a part of all this so that it, you can also capture the establishment of those new accounts. Alternatively, you can simply document it in the client's file there's no delivery requirement for this, like the DOL rule, but this is more expansive than the DOL rule DOL rule in what it covers, too. So it's not simply for rollovers. Okay, sorry for that jarring interruption, and I'm going to go ahead and now get you back to the rest of Lori's explanation. Another minor change is, is under the correspondence section. This just clarifies that when allowed by the firm, if a supervised person communicates with clients on one of the supervised person's personal devices, that the firm will capture that communication. That's just something that we're, again, beefing up, making a little bit more robust, because mm -hmm. obviously the means by communicating with personal devices is becoming more prevalent. And it's just simply keeping up with a policy that's reflective of today's use of technology. Yep. So. All right. Marketing and social media. Oh, the biggie, right? This is the whopper that everybody's been discussing for a year and a half, at least for the SEC folks. Uh, we'll talk a bit about you state folks here in a little bit, but we're not, I'm not going to be able to go into detail on this because of, you know, one of the, uh, the extent <clears throat> and the nature of it, but just to hit some of the areas so you can follow. But again, read these policies and procedures, make sure um, you understand them and you are familiar with how they are applying to your particular means of marketing your firm services because the definition of advertising itself changed. So look at that. It's not a big deal, but it is different. And the difference is now you can use testimonials and endorsements. And if you haven't heard me talk about that, um, you know, we have a podcast that we did on that um, last year, actually. And so happy to send that out to you as well to explain some of that. You will see now a list of seven general prohibitions and the, the policy and procedure is going to read, look, it's your policy that none of your marketing information is going to be violation of those seven general principles that are drafted. You know, you'll need to follow each one of those for each piece of marketing. Mm -hmm. So what's it boiled down to? Basically, you know, if you've heard me talk about it, it's all about don't lie omit to say something. Everything has to be fair and balanced. This is the whole thing. If they're going to allow you the, the flexibility and the freedom to have testimonials, well, it's going to have to be fair and balanced. And there's bumpers around how that is, is obtained. So make sure you understand that. 
I think I, I think I explained it, Lori, in the piece that I wrote for the Napa Advisor, whatever reason, recently, where I'd mentioned, you know, it can be boiled down into one very simple statement, which is don't try to get too cute. <laughs> like, don't try to get too cute with anything. Just be as straightforward as you possibly can in all your marketing. Yeah, I agree with that. So there's a section on websites and social media, but that hasn't changed an awful lot, except in one part. There's kind of a choose your own adventure part that allows you to decide whether to permit your supervised persons to post firm marketing on their own personal social media accounts, or whether you want to allow this just only through the firm. So depending on where you want to set your risk level, then we'll choose which policy and procedure mm-hmm. is the right one for you. And you'll see them both in your draft. This is what I was talking about up front. You'll see them both in your draft. And I believe probably there'll be a note either from Dixie or Jen or from me in there that's just drawn your attention to it and says, please let us know what you want to do. And when you let us know, we're going to customize it for your practice. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> uh, so Further on, third-party ratings, they're okay now, and the subsection um, that's there will let you know what makes them okay and how to use them in a permissible manner. Same with hypothetical performance. It's also allowed, but and there's a subsection there that will tell you what it has to look like to be compliant. So if you're going to go down that path, make sure that when you're coming up with your piece of marketing that you go to your compliance manual and you look at that so you know what is okay and what's not okay. Same thing with performance advertising. There are now particularities that surround um, the use of performance advertising that you need to follow. So in addition to the seven general prohibitions, when you have these additional third-party ratings, hypothetical performance advertising, those then have additional requirements on top of those seven general prohibitions. So read that. And if you got questions, of course, let us know. There's going to be a change to your books and records for the marketing rule. You'll actually see those first if you're reviewing the changes in order because this section comes before advertising, but it's related to the marketing rule. One of the other things is that probably the most important thing to note about this huge change is you're getting these policies and procedures for just about everything that the rule will allow for. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have policies and procedures, we want to make sure you know that it doesn't require you to do this kind of marketing. We're kind of taking more of a a broad-based approach. So it covers a many of a different myriad of different scenarios, but you decide what kind of marketing, and then you'll have the policies and procedures already in place that guide you into that particular area. Mm -hmm. So- so, but look, and uh, if you uh, need any assistance in deciding which way to go, then that's where we can come in. That's that's the big one. That's that's a huge one. But let's go on because there are other uh, changes that were made. For example, in the trading section, uh, there was a, a minor tweak in Best X. Uh, this is a minor change that memorializes something that I'm sure you're all doing. This just captures the requirement that you're ensuring your clients are in the best or appropriate mutual fund share class as part of your review. This was a result of the mutual fund share class sweep that the SEC was doing. If your manual had been updated recently, this was probably already done. But if not, this was a a way for us to make sure that it was in everybody's manual. So that's it. Just the mutual fund share class. If If you are a state advisor, 
If you didn't have already trading errors in your manual, we added those. So we wanted to make sure that those were a part of everybody's manual and some didn't have that in there before. So those have been added. One of the other changes that we made that's a fairly minor one is in valuation of securities. This simply broadens the scope a bit and outlines multiple methods of valuation of securities in the event that you do have holdings in your client's accounts that are not readily available or, excuse me, valued. So again, just another update. We did find this in part of an SEC exam. So that was something that we went back and looked at to make sure and we shored up for everybody. Mm-hmm. Custody, uh, this is really the last change. And likewise, it's a small one. This codifies something that you're you're already doing, but it, again, it's just more robust policies and procedures when you're directly deducting your fees that you're following the outline safeguards. So nothing, again, substantive, more just beefing up and making the policies and procedures themselves more robust. So, so again, <clears throat> if you have any questions, but I think that pretty much wraps up the, the changes as yep. you go through your manuals. As Lori said, that, that wraps everything up pretty much for everyone uh, in terms of SEC registered advisors and the SEC registration or the SEC advisors manual. If you're a state registered advisor, you're going to get some of these changes, but the variation is going to depend on whether and kind of if so, how your state is dealing with the marketing rule change. Uh, in some states, as, as we've discussed previously, kind of adopt by incorporation the SEC's marketing rule. And so where those where that's the case for you as an advisor, we've already kind of looked at some of these and game this out. We're going to be giving you the same changes that you would get for the marketing rule as an SEC advisor, because that's going to be the same rule that you're going to be operating under. Nebraska is one of those states that's adopted it. Colorado and Missouri already kind of adopt it by reference. Some states, not yet, not not so far, right? Like Ohio. Ohio hasn't done this yet. For state folks, you're also going to be getting policies regarding trading errors that aren't in your existing manual. So those policies and procedures, though, they're pretty straightforward. The general gist is you got to fix the error. None of the costs can be borne by the client. You won't use any soft dollars to remedy the issue, which is almost never an issue for any of our folks anyway. And you're not going to use another client's account to correct the error. Again, not something that is usually an issue. Uh, You're also going to keep a file of any errors that you make with information about the errors, how they were made, how they resolve. And and you're going to do that, of course, and explain to your examiner that the reason you do that is so you can prevent those errors from happening again. That's really it. That's all we've got. Now, like we said, again, it's important that you review these changes. And if you have questions that you ask them, and if after you you review the changes, you approve them, as I think we've said now four or five times in this pod, (laughs) you, you have to let us know so we can finalize the manual for you. It sounds really clear on that, right? It, It sounds really dumb. But what's going to end up happening is, is, you know, somebody's going to get a phone call from an examiner and they're going to, you know, ask you for, you're going to get an exam. They're going to ask you for all your manuals that were in place during the exam period. And Jennifer is going to tisk you and she's going to go, well, you haven't adopted any new policies and procedures since 2018. And and folks, I'm not going to name names, but I know some of you are out there. You've missed the last manual changes and Jen's going to tisk tisk and you're going to get dinged up or you're going to adopt the new manual at the last minute. And that's going to save you from a lot of painful deficiencies, but you're still going to get a funny look from the exam. But that's it. That's all I've got. Uh, And I don't think, Lori, are you good? Yeah, I think that's a lot, right? So <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, you know, you look to us to make in changes and update your manual. And I know it sounds hokey, but 
it is a living, breathing document. Mm -hmm. And I, I admit that's a hokey saying, but Chairman Gensler from the SEC actually just this week recently emphasized how critical and important it is for the advisors to have policies and procedures that meet their risk for violating the securities mm -hmm. laws. You know, so again, you all don't have ma manuals that you have purchased off the shelf. They're not templated. They've already been drafted for your particular way of doing business. But again, these changes need to be kept up with. And right. so if you don't, you know, as Scott pointed out, then the examiner looks and goes, well, hey, this is this is not cool. You've yep. been sitting on this and this doesn't reflect either the way you're doing business or changes in what we wanted to see, yep. you know, on our advisors. So anyway, we've done the heavy lifting for you. Meet us halfway, read it. And again, I, yep. you know, if it's you got yep. insomnia. Really, we got a perfect right. cure for that. This will right? fix it. Yep. But yeah. yeah, yeah, like Lori said, meet us halfway, read it over, tell us what you like, tell us if you don't like something, we'll get uh -huh. it finalized, get it in effect for you. And that's really about yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, happy reading. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, be back again with something just as exciting as compliance <laughs> manual updates. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yep.